Welcome to Inside the Castle, the podcast that goes behind castle doors to have real conversations with real people about solving the nation's toughest challenges. I'm Angie Fryermuth, one of your hosts today. And I'm Kat McCain. Today we have a very special guest, Mr. Michael Connor, who is the Assistant Secretary to the Army for Civil Works. Mr. Connor is the political appointee that oversees the Corps of Engineers. Mr. Connor, thanks for being here today. Thank you very much for having me. Before we get into the questions, we always like to get to know our guests. So can you tell us briefly about yourself? Yeah, happy to do that. I am an engineer by training. I have a degree in chemical engineering, and then I moved over to the dark side and got a, a law degree. I started my career in the private sector, worked for GE, uh, making major appliances, and then in the power generation services business. And then I was the junior engineer doing a, a lot of work and getting duties otherwise assigned, uh, all the environmental uh, compliance, health safety, require, uh, compliance activities. So uh, I soon noticed that the lawyers were in charge of things and telling me what to do. So I decided to join them and went back to law school. I uh, got a degree in law from the University of Colorado, intending to do environmental law, got more into the natural resources world. And from there, uh, came out of that educational experience and went into the public sector. Uh, my first job was at the Interior Department as an attorney in the solicitor's office doing water rights work. And then I soon uh, kind of moved more towards policy rather than pure the practice of law and uh, ran the Secretary's Indian Water Rights Office uh, for uh, Secretary Babbitt at the end of the Clinton administration, moved over to Capitol Hill. Uh, worked as counsel to the Senate Energy and Natural Resources Committee, overseeing Bureau of Reclamation, Reclamation, doing uh, the Native American issues that were in front of the committee. Did that for eight years until the start of the Obama administration. And then Senator Salazar from Colorado had uh, been a member of the committee during his tenure in the Senate. So I got to know Senator Salazar, who then became Secretary Salazar. He asked me to run the Bureau of Reclamation. At the start of the Obama administration, did that for five years, and then I was fortunate enough to then assume the deputy secretary of interior position, overseeing all the agencies, uh, not just the Bureau of Reclamation, and did that the last three years of the Obama administration, and then had to find the job at the end of the administration. Went uh, into the private practice of law for the first time in my career for a law firm uh, named Wilmer Hale. Still stuck in the natural resources, Native American type of legal work, uh, and then uh, obviously very fortunate and lucky enough to be asked to uh, be the Assistant Secretary of the Army for Civil Works, overseeing the Corps of Engineers. And after a lengthy confirmation process uh, from April through to early November, when we got confirmed and have been on board here since November 29th of 2021. Well, thanks for that, Mr. Connor. So for our listeners who may be not familiar with your office, what are the primary duties of the ASA Civil Works? So the primary duties of the Office of the Assistant Secretary is to really provide policy uh, oversight, to provide the resources from a budget perspective uh, necessary to carry out the Army Corps of Engineers mission, you know, to support the primary uh, lines of effort navigation, Flood risk management, aquatic ecosystem restoration, all the other very significant activities carried out by the Corps, whether it be water supply, recreation, hydropower. So it's to provide that policy oversight, 
as I see it, integrate the president's and the administration's priorities with the Corps mission and its authorities. And from that standpoint, carry out the overall mission consistent with the visions of the current administration. And so you can't do that unless you work uh, hand in hand very closely with uh, the Corps of Engineers leadership. And that's what I've been trying to do uh, over the last several months. Speaking of the last several months, you've been in the position over 100 days. Can you share with our listeners your experiences and your observations? Yeah, absolutely. I guess my initial experiences and my initial reaction is there's a lot going on, to say the least. The breadth of the mission, the breadth of the expectations are very, very significant. Fortunately, as I step in, just a few weeks before her being confirmed and, uh, and taking on the role and uh, getting sworn in, Congress passed the uh, bipartisan infrastructure law, uh, providing $17.1 billion of additional resources to the budget that the Corps already had to carry out those priorities and that mission that I described earlier. So that was my initial impression. My initial set of responsibilities was jumping in. Uh, understanding as best as possible the priorities for investment that have been identified by the Corps, integrating that with you know, the priorities of the administration uh, and allocating resources. And I think it was at that time understanding you know, more in detail the issues or that I had previously come to understand in those other capacities I had worked closely with the Corps of Engineers in managing water resources and participant in the regulatory programs uh, that the Interior Department used to partner up with the Corps of Engineers on. So I had an overall understanding of the mission, but going through a budget process and allocating resources and understanding those priority uh, areas that the Corps has for carrying out that mission was pretty eye-opening from the standpoint of how significant the Corps set of responsibilities are from my perspective, I hadn't had a whole lot of experience in navigation. Uh, we did a quick deep dive into what that all entails, whether it's inland waterways or ports and harbors, and the Corps' leadership, uh, General Graham, General Spellman, did a great job of getting me out on the ground real quick to better understand that position. So uh, that's a long-winded way to say the initial experiences, my initial reaction was there's uh, a lot to learn. There was a lot of great work already underway, and from that standpoint, it was trying to understand that position my, myself to make good decisions with respect to the allocation of resources, and then understand, I think my other initial uh, impression was just the tremendous professionalism, dedication, and deep knowledge of the core staff, even in that initial set of couple months. That was clear in the interactions I had from with respect to budgets, with respect to the administration of the core, but getting out on the ground at least as much as I could in those first several months and meeting with folks uh, in the districts and the divisions to get a firsthand understanding of the challenges they face, the priorities that they see in dealing with our local partners. It's just uh, been very impressive. It validated uh, my interest in working with the core. Uh, and reiterated the view I had that I'd be very lucky to be in this position. It's been all-consuming, but very good uh, in these first several months being on the job. 
I can imagine you, it's been very, very busy. I know you've been here and there and everywhere and trying to get to meet the staff and meeting like our challenges for the core. And I know you issued an introductory memorandum recently to the whole core. Would you like to say anything else to people listening now to kind of build on that memo? I think the only thing I would say in building off that memo, you know, I did lay out my priorities as I see it. And it gets to the heart of how do we best integrate the core's mission uh, with respect to the president's priorities. And quite frankly, I think they've aligned very well. And I tried to articulate that in the memorandum to all the employees. And I think uh, the only thing I could add to the message that was already there, and we can talk about that in, in more detail if you like, is that it's really hard to capture all of that in uh, two pages, but also recognizing that folks are busy and they're not likely to read anything that's more than two pages. If I could have compressed it down to one page, uh, I would have done that, but as we've talked about, there's a lot going on and there's a lot I've wanted to say, not just about the priorities, but the impressions I've had in working with folks to date and really the understanding that to be successful in the mission, to be successful in carrying out the, those priorities, uh, we're going to need to work very closely together. And that's a good thing from my perspective, because every interaction I've had so far has been pretty rewarding. So what are your priorities over the next few years? Can you get into that a little bit? Sure. I'll just lay out the priorities that I identified in the memorandum. And once again, these are pretty high level. And really what it is intended to do is to just at least provide a framework for how I see all the different activities that the core carries out, put a frame around it about how I see it fits into the president's priorities and give a a way to organize uh, my thoughts, our thoughts uh, on what it is that we're trying to accomplish. Because I think it's, once again, very, very significant. So the priorities that I laid out were first upgrading the nation's waterways and ports to strengthen supply chains and foster economic growth. Second is to build innovative climate resilient infrastructure to protect communities and ecosystems. Three, modernize the civil works programs to better serve the needs of disadvantaged communities. And I'll build on that uh, in a bit. Fourth is to invest in science, research, and development to deliver enduring water resource solutions. And fifth is just to strengthen communications and relationships to solve water resource challenges. In particular, you know, these are all things that the core has been doing over time, which I think we just want to build on that great, strong foundation that the core has uh, oriented in certain ways, you know, obviously the core has been in the resilience business from day one with respect to, you know, improving our waterways and particularly flood risk management activities been in the business of protecting communities for a long time. Uh, we just want to take the next step and be innovative in that approach, be a leader in integrating those green and gray solutions to better protect communities for the long term, recognizing the challenges of climate change. And as we do those things and we build on that traditional great work and capabilities that the Corps of Engineers has demonstrated over time, we want to expand our reach and carry out those type of mission activities in a way that benefits communities that at least from my perspective and the administration's perspective, we haven't done a good job as a federal government in serving disadvantaged 
particularly economically disadvantaged, marginalized communities over time. I think that's really true in the Corps of Engineers, where we have uh, over time uh, had to move towards a strict benefit cost ratio in evaluating our projects and determining, prioritize the investments we make in the work that we do. And certainly that's an important part of the process that we look at the costs of uh, any particular project and the benefits that will accrue from that project. But that does leave out certain communities whose lands may not be valued as, as high and who uh, haven't been able to participate in the process and make the case of why uh, certain activities in any of those categories are beneficial to those communities. So I think that's a very complicated approach that we need to jump into how to better serve those communities, how to one, reach out to those communities so that we better understand the programs available. Uh, and then we've got to do a lot of internal work to ensure that as we uh, try and develop projects with those communities, that we're working closely with them, and then that we can put together uh, projects that have, look at all the benefits that accrue, not just property values that we're protecting as an example. And then lastly, we have to ensure I'm asking, and this administration is asking folks within the core to work with those communities, identify a broad array of benefits associated with any type of projects that we can you know, evaluate those projects, move them forward, even if they aren't the highest level of cost benefit uh, versus uh, some other projects or some other straightforward approach that uh, we design as opposed to the community's design. So it's a lot of work to institutionalize a change in this regard. The best thing that I could say is that I think there's a large amount of enthusiasm in the core uh, within the rank and file, uh, as well as the course leadership for trying to uh, figure this out and move in this direction and carry out this part of the agenda. So uh, having sensed that, it's reinvigorating to me to try and figure out how we're gonna do all those different aspects to ensure that we're being able to work with those previously marginalized communities as much as possible moving forward. And so building off that, so what do you feel uh, or is the view on the role of those partners, communities and local interests to really develop and implement our civil works projects into the future? Well, I think, you know, We've got to, we've got to show up, we've got to be accessible. We've got to be available. We've got to, you know, getting back to the last priority I, I identified with respect to communications. We have got a very complicated set of programs and authorities and resources in the core that we need to be able to explain to people how we can use those uh, opportunities, working with them to carry out uh, projects and activities that benefit those communities. So uh, we've got to show up in places maybe that we haven't previously been. Uh, we've got to be a little relentless in going back. You know, you take tribal communities. There has been uh, certainly issues in the past that have played out between the core and certain tribes. There is just the general, I think, caution that tribes have to working with any governmental agencies, particularly a federal government that hasn't always looked after their best interests. So there's caution. At the same time, they have a lot of needs. Tribal leaders understand that they have a lot of needs. 
uh, and they're looking and receptive to any discussion that might help address uh, some of those needs. So uh, that's why I say we, we need to show up, we need to be patient, we need to build trust, we need to communicate, and then we need to describe the you know options that folks have for working with the Corps of Engineers, the type of different uh, projects and authorities that projects we can carry out and authorities that we have. We just have to, to stay with it and hopefully start to, and I, this is already going on. I just simply want to build upon it where we can do some projects, where we build some trust with tribes. And once we do that, there'll be more interest, I think, across the nation in doing more of this work. And the same with disadvantaged smaller communities, whether they be rural, whether they be uh, inner city, that's going to be the focus of this particular effort. And then not to continue to repeat myself, but I think it's an important part of the process. I think folks within the core, uh, within the districts who are on the front lines, making those connections with those communities have to feel confident that if they go down this path and they try and work and develop projects, uh, working with uh, these communities that they're just not going to get stopped at some point to say, well, that doesn't really pan out from a pure cost benefit uh, standpoint that we have some flexibility in our decision making that we can develop these projects, uh, get chief's reports, move forward uh, and get authorization to actually implement these types of projects. Speaking of authorization, uh, the Corps recently received funding for the Infrastructure and Investment Jobs Act and the Disaster Relief Supplemental Appropriations Act. Can you talk about this opportunity uh, that the Corps has been fortunate enough to receive and the benefit that these projects, when completed, will provide the nation? Absolutely. As I alluded to earlier, this was the initial priority as I stepped into this position, uh, got sworn in. The decision making process was already underway of how to invest those dollars. So we got $17.1 billion from the infrastructure bill itself. I think there was another 5.3, somewhere in that neighborhood billion from the disaster supplemental bill. So there was a lot of work to do in, in making those allocations. With respect to the disaster supplemental, it was very focused with respect to where we should be making those investments, the type of risk reduction activities that Congress was looking for uh, us to carry out within the states that had been impacted by Hurricane, Hurricane Ida and providing some resources for uh, investments in risk reduction, flood reduction, uh, flood risk management uh, projects outside of those states to obviously carry out and, and repair damage that had occurred during Hurricane Ida. So that one was a little bit more straightforward, uh, the disaster supplemental. We made those announcements and allocated those resources in January, at the same time, we made the first set of investment decisions related to the bipartisan infrastructure law. And I think overall in January 17th or 18th, when we made the announcements out of the $23 billion that have been provided, I think we allocated about $14 billion. So uh, getting back to the heartier question, the initial suggestions for how to best invest those do dollars consistent with uh, Congress's intent and, and uh, the president's direction. Those came from the core. We worked through questions about those projects uh, as we were moving towards making the announcement. The core from the district to the division to the headquarters level uh, provided 
quick, in-depth information. Uh, it was quite the run, a lot of weekend, late nights uh, by a lot of folks in developing the final package. And it was pretty exciting because we looked at it, <clears throat> building off of General Spellman's priority, which we should always finish the work we started. Uh, that is one of his objectives, which I wholeheartedly agree with. So we tried to make uh, investments that could complete projects. Uh, we tried to make uh, investments that would demonstrate the innovative approach to flood risk management, uh, whether it be on inland river systems or coastal systems. We made a, I think, some very significant investments in our ports and harbors and our inland waterway systems, longstanding projects that haven't been able to be funded, which are very important to the movement of cargo and supporting commerce, not only within the U.S., but our ability to import, export, to address supply chain issues that have been obviously uh, front and center uh, over the last year and impacting the economy. So uh, there was a broad set of priorities we were looking at uh, to address, and it was very rewarding to work very closely with the Corps and get, have them be very responsive in providing information. And I think at the end of the day, uh, we've got some very good uh, investments. Uh, last thing I will just add, on this subject is there are a lot of needs that are going to be met through bipartisan infrastructure law and, and the disaster supplemental also. I think one thing that stands out uh, with respect to the core that I think is different is some agencies and departments are looking at that funding and thinking about going through the process of figuring out the needs and allocating resources. With the core, very significant that we could address some longstanding backlogs in all of those areas, aquatic ecosystem restoration, navigation, flood risk management, as well as water supply, uh, other areas. We had to make some tough decisions uh, because we still have more need than we have resources. Uh, and it's very helpful to be able to have this opportunity, uh, but rest assured there are more needs out there and more coming, I think, uh, given some of the challenges that a lot of communities are seeing on the horizon, given longstanding issues unaddressed, the challenges of climate change, more extreme weather events, uh, increased storm surge. Uh, I think there's uh, just more and more of a desire to have the core work uh, with a lot of communities on new different projects. When you combine that with our goal of reaching out to even more communities that we haven't previously served. Uh, it's a big agenda right now, but it's going to be a big agenda in the future too. So with that, like you mentioned, like we, obviously our needs are going to be more than what the resources, even with these huge in investment acts that are going on currently. Do you expect any other challenges um, with executing these projects? Well, there's all kinds of challenges that exist right now, even as we do our part to help uh, address supply chain issues in the country and move materials in our civil works program, you know, we're experiencing issues associated with supply chains and labor shortages. And so one challenge is, is simply, you know, ensure that we're doing all we can to carry out the projects that have been authorized, which we've identified the overall budget needs to be able to carry out those projects within that budget. That's a huge challenge for the core. We have to be constantly innovating 
the design parameters, how we address risk reduction, or how we address the objectives of a particular civil works project so that we can land it within that budget, or if we can't, to minimize uh, the additional set of resources that we need. So in the execution phase, it's an ongoing set of challenges for the core. And I've certainly come to understand that better from the leadership and then talking with folks at the district. And then there's, even as we do that, projects are bigger. Uh, we have some huge programs now that we're executing, whether it be Everglades. Uh, I was in Texas for a good part of last week where the team down there in the Galveston district in the Southwest division, they've put together uh, a coastal Texas protection program that's been the focus of the chief, chief's report, now moving to the authorization level. Very, very significant, large investments with singular projects that are big ticket items, which means we have to have more tools about how we contract with folks and being able to execute those projects. So uh, we're dealing with design and cost containment issues. We're trying to get more tools so that we can be more efficient in how we carry out these projects. There's a whole range of activities that are being done by the great teams within the districts and divisions, but also things that I think are important for my office uh, to understand so that we can try and, uh, from a policy perspective, get those authorities or to use existing authorities uh, and get approval for the core to carry out as we try and execute on a level that I think hasn't been done before. And beyond that, I know uh, General Spellman, General Graham, uh, Ali, they've got really good ideas that they've already been implementing uh, that they're doing from taking core to a more enterprise-wide approach where different divisions and districts have expertise that they can help out each other on, making it much more of a, a cross-functional organization. I wholly support that, and that's an ongoing conversation we have about how my office can help facilitate uh, some of the good organizational changes that they're already have initiated and are underway. We're nearing the end of our time together. However, um, I do want you to talk about, you know, what core staff at all levels of the organization can do to execute this once in a generation opportunity that the core has been given. I think it's uh, one keep doing what they're doing because I think it's pretty impressive and I think I'll take it. Give specific examples. So in this more cross-cutting approach to the organization, districts, divisions, having different areas of expertise, uh, I have been, uh, had the opportunity to travel, to be in a lot of different places lately and talk to a lot of different, I think it last, I've been out to eight or nine districts, three different divisions. Uh, certainly there's a lot more to do with respect to getting out and uh, meeting with folks on the ground, but that's not a bad start for the first three months. So my takeaway from that is that I, I think the opportunity to work in different places on different types of projects is pretty rewarding for a lot of folks uh, within uh, the core. It gives a diversity of work and experience that I think is value added to their careers, but I just think is more uh, enjoyable overall. And so keep doing what you're doing with respect to that keep demonstrating that uh, this is a good way for us to carry out our work 
And I think there'll be more opportunity there. Two, it's to trust that I think there is opportunity, desire to not just ask folks to try and broaden our reach by working with different communities, but that we're going to work on the tools and the decision-making processes that can uh, reward them for that effort. You know, if you work hard to develop uh, projects uh, or actions, different communities that maybe uh, wouldn't pencil out from a pure benefit cost uh, standpoint uh, over the last couple years or decades even, uh, we're going to try and change that decision-making process so that, that that is possible uh, and that there will be reward for the good investment being made on the ground. Then I think, you know, as I get out and about, I have not experienced that there's any shyness from our employees or our district uh, commanders or division commanders of, of being pretty straightforward of, of things that they need to carry out the, the mission. So I would just encourage folks to continue to uh, express their candor because there's a lot of great ideas out there or there's a lot of good identification of issues that maybe we don't have uh, solutions for right now uh, but collectively we can figure out how to uh, address some of those issues on the ground so bottom line to all that is thank you for all the great work to all the folks within the Corps for the super work that's being done We'll try and improve the tools available to carry out the mission. We'll try and improve the decision-making processes that validate throughout the organization that we can implement the priorities that I've identified and then to continue to be candid about some of the challenges uh, that folks are facing on the ground. And just another example of that, you know, I've had uh, several instances, even in the first 100 days of where wanting to move uh, forward with a policy initiative. I think one example, I probably moved out uh, a little quicker than uh, I should have. There should have been more uh, dialogue with the core uh, into how we could implement that or some of the challenges in implementation. And then I probably have another example where there was good consultation, uh, good dialogue before moving out uh, with that particular initiative and it led to a better product and i think it'll lead to better implementation so uh, i would just also ask folks to know that i'm learning quickly here on the job and we'll try and do that uh, consultation uh, that discussion before moving forward with policy initiatives because i do think they they come out better and they're more implementable for folks well thank you mr connor for joining us today and for this edition of inside the castle we appreciate you and your insights. To our listeners, we want to hear from you, what topics are important to you and people you are interested in hearing from. Until next time, be safe, be innovative, and be revolutionary. Thanks for joining us for this Inside the Castle podcast. To provide your feedback, email us at cw.infrastructure.team at usace.army.mil. Stay tuned for additional Inside the Castle podcasts as we explore life inside the core and revolutionize civil works together.